Arguably one of the, the hardest parts about building a product is figuring out what to build. So a place that I've struggled in the past and I see a lot of other people struggle is in trying to figure out, well, what is the thing that I'm trying to build? What do I want to build? And, and not just like the general idea of the product, but also in terms of what features to build. So not just like, okay, I want to build an app that does this thing, but also how does it do it? Like what are the individual features that solve that problem? And ultimately what this, this comes down to, so when you're picking an idea is essentially you're making a bet. So uh, the way that I like to think about it is when I see a potential product that I wanna build, I think of it as, okay, I'm going to bet that the way to solve this problem is with these features or building it in this way or making it look this way or building it for these types of people. But ultimately I'm making a bet. And essentially this, this applies to like anything. This isn't just software, this is physical products as well. So if you think about something like the iPhone, that was a bet. So when it first came out, there was nothing that existed like it. So there wasn't really anything to measure it against. Uh, and that was one of those bets that actually paid off. So Apple was right that people wanted this internet enabled device kind of in their pocket. Uh, and then over time, expand that to have more functionality through apps. And they created this completely new ecosystem and technically a brand new market that didn't exist before. So that was a lucky bet. Something like Airbnb, though, took a little bit longer. So if you think about Airbnb's early days, the, the basic idea was there, but how they implemented it and how they sold it didn't really catch on immediately. It took some time to basically structure it in a way that was going to be friendly for people to actually want to use it and to put their, their place up for, for rent or for people to stay in uh, on their site. So everything kind of falls in a different range. It depends on what you're building and why you're building it. And so early on, what you want to do is try and find things that if you're going to make this bet is what I'm getting at. So early on, what you want to do is find something that's essentially a safe bet or a safer bet than just kind of taking a random guess at what people might want. And what I want to do in this week's episode is kind of share some of my favorite techniques for figuring out what to build, both in the form of an entire product, as well as the individual features that make up that product and kind of explain why or how I come up with my own ideas. And I think this will be helpful to some folks. So the, the first technique that I always use, and this can be a little controversial depending on how you look at it, but I always make a point to look at the weaknesses of existing players in the market or existing products in the market. So typically you'll have products that maybe a lot of people use or at least a lot of people are familiar with. Uh, but those products aren't necessarily living up to the hype or maybe they were in the past and over time just from changes in the, the product team or uh, maybe the, the underlying operation like the teams behind the product got clunky. Something happened that led to the deterioration of that product. And so what I like to do is pay close attention to this. So basically what I'll do is I'll keep an eye on anything that comes to the market that people just immediately gravitate towards. So they, and this is, this is kind of a long-term strategy depending on how you, how you think about this. So, uh, find things that are, they're very popular in the beginning, but then watch their trajectory over time. So keep a close watch on, uh, what features they add, what features they remove, 
uh, how the team makes decisions. So are they making decisions in favor of customers and what customers are asking for? Or are they kind of managing their own product roadmap? But really paying attention to, and this is this can be hard to do because it feels kind of mean, but it's, it's not meant to be. It's meant to try and find a way to build a great business, which is pay attention to what they're getting wrong and, and look very closely. And this isn't to, to boost your own ego. I don't want this to be like, ha, look what they're getting wrong. I'm, I'm better than that. I can fit. It's, it's not about that, but rather figuring out what are the things that you could turn into a product that either fills in those, those gaps that they're, they're missing or fills in the, the shortcomings of their current offering and really trying to observe whether or not they're actually fixing those problems or they're just kind of at this like, uh, linear stagnation point where like they don't really change anything the product doesn't improve and it just kind of hangs out because those are the points where you're gonna find products that potentially uh, you could replace with your own thing you could come up with uh, maybe a solution to the things that they won't fix or they won't improve uh, maybe you can build it for a more specific niche but generally speaking if you you pay attention to what they're getting wrong you're gonna find a lot of opportunities and the thing that's important to keep in mind with all this, so basically what we're getting at is you want to build a better version of what they're already doing. And better is a very subjective idea. So when I say better, I don't necessarily mean better in like a, an objective sense, like, oh, I check off these three boxes, but they don't, that type of thing. That's not what I'm getting at, but rather something that is better from the customer's perspective. So when you present your idea to, to customers, are they going to look at it and say, oh, that's a better fit for me? Meaning you, you've taken the basic idea that somebody else has already implemented, but you've tweaked it in a way to fit the needs of a different type of customer, a different um, set of expectations that a customer might have. So when you're thinking about this, don't, don't really limit yourself to say like, wow, they're doing a really good job, but instead focus on, okay, they're doing a really good job in certain places, but where are they not doing a really good job in other places? And ultimately, this is where I think a lot of people get tripped up is they think that, oh, well, this thing already exists, so it's not worth my time to build it. But that's not a great way of looking at it. So that's a very self-limiting way of looking at what to build or what to, to focus your attention on because you can get into this trap where you think like, oh, well, that thing already exists, so, you know nobody's ever going to want to use my thing. But that's not true. And this has played out again and again in history. There are countless products that, that existed first, and the first version may have had some initial uh, kind of excitement around it or attention given to it in the market, but then it kind of waned, and then somebody else stepped in and filled the blank. And again, going back to something like the iPhone, that was exactly what happened. So they, they approached it in a totally different way and for a different type of customer. But cell phones had existed for, uh, in, in like the mass market, at least 10, even 15 years before the iPhone even came out. So it wasn't necessarily, oh, yeah, somebody's already done the, the cell phones. We're not going to bother with that. No, it was, you know what? What if we take that basic idea and then tweak it 
to include these other things or work in this way that people haven't seen before in this novel way. So when you're when you're taking this approach, don't don't get defeated if you come across something that already exists because that's actually good news. When you find a product that already exists and people are already paying for, you're basically getting a vote in your favor in your ideas favor saying like, yeah, people are already paying for this. Clearly this idea works. So if you can kind of reverse engineer it and figure out what doesn't work about it, you can attract some of the customers that currently buy the current solution away from that and get them to focus on your own product. So there's a lot of potential and a lot of opportunity there. Kind of related to this is something that is, it's a little bit harder to do because you really have to, to spend some time doing it. Um, but it's this idea of mining for pain or desire kind of out in the wild. And what I mean by the wild, this could be literally anywhere that you encounter other people. So this could be physically, so like out, like at the grocery store, you're, you're around other people and you can hear their conversations. Um, or nowadays, it's it's pretty easy to do this with something like Twitter. But basically, you're, you're dialing up your own personal awareness around what people are talking about. And more specifically, where are they, they getting frustrated and where are they having problems, as well as what are they saying that they they want? So if you look very closely, people will often say things like, oh, this is stressing me out, or this process or this thing is so stressful. Or they'll say things like, I would really love it if I could do this. And those things are the seeds of ideas. So if you get really good at paying attention to those things, you can start to, I think of it as like pulling it apart. So it's like they, they make this complaint, we'll say, and it's your job as the, the creator of some product to kind of pull apart that problem and think about like, well, what's missing here? What, what's the logical solution to this problem? And then in answering that question, you get a product or you get a product idea that you can go and build to solve that problem. And the more that you do this and, and more specifically, you kind of build a catalog in your head of like people saying the same problem or a similar problem, that's a pretty good hint that there's there's something that you can do there, something that you can offer there. Um, and this is especially helpful um, if you're in the situation where you have a unique skill set that maps back to that thing. So, uh, for example, while I was putting together this episode, um, I just took a random topic. So I thought about like, what's something that people might have a problem with? There's something that uh, you know, and this is, this is, I have no idea about this topic, but, uh, basically I picked out buying a house. So something that I did was I went over to Twitter and in the, in the search box up in the corner, I just typed in buying a house. I didn't present a leading question like, Oh, doing this thing is stressful or anything like that. I just typed in buying a house. And then I went through the tweets and pretty quickly, I think it was just like maybe a handful or two down. I found a tweet that said, uh, and I'll, I'll, I gotta edit this a little bit because they, they swear in it, but basically they were like, damn, buying a house is stressful. My sister found a house she loved and was scheduled for a viewing today. Last night it was sold for 25000 under the asking price. And she says, how bleep is that, man? Every house is getting snatched right now. So on the surface, this just looks like somebody complaining on Twitter. But if you look at it through the lens of somebody who's looking for a product idea like yourself, there's a business here, there's a product here, if we start to pull it apart. So if we think about what they're saying, so they're saying, okay, buying a house is stressful. Okay, that's one part of the problem, but then there's some specifics here. So they're talking about, my sister had found a house that she really loved and was scheduled for a viewing, but then another buyer snatched it out from under them for 
a lower price. So if we kind of unpack that or pull that apart, well, what's the what's the product there? What's the the app there? If we, we focus just on software, and it's like, well, um, maybe it would be helpful if you're looking at houses and you could get a list of houses in an app. So like literally you're out driving around, you're looking for for sale signs and you're curious about things. You can kind of see in the app like, oh, well, five other people have made a bid on this house or five other people showed interest in this house. Uh, maybe you could also get some data about, well, what's the average sale price? So if you're thinking about making an offer at the, the actual list price, but you can see data that shows like, well, no, a lot of houses in this neighborhood go for 25,000 under the, the sale price. What you're doing is you're creating a tool that's going to inform that person. So it's not going to be a surprise if they get a call where somebody's like, ah, oh, you know what? Somebody else bid at 25,000 under and we're not going to be able to, to sell you the house anymore. You can build a product that fills that void. And notice this was a complete riff. Like I, I didn't plan this out. I just did a quick search and then spent a few minutes thinking about like, well, how would I solve that problem? And I came up with that as somebody who's a absolutely zero idea about buying houses or real estate or anything like that. I, I have no experience in that, that industry, but I was able to come up with some rough ideas. So again, if you have some sort of natural talent or past experience in a market, but it's not something that you're running a business and it's just like, uh, so, uh, somebody that I, I'm working with and somebody that I'm friends with, uh, likes to fly planes. So, uh, their market might be something having to do with planes. Even if that's not what they focus on, that's not how they make their money. Well, they have some knowledge or some experience with flying planes and, and how planes work so they can look in that space for somebody complaining or saying they desire something and then extract out of that some sort of product idea. So that that's one way to do it. Another way that I really like is... Focusing on, I, the, the term that I have for it is behavioral patterns. So watching what people do. So literally when they go out to perform some task, what steps do they take? And so if you think about this, like, uh, I don't know, uh, an example that comes to mind is stamps.com. So uh, stamps.com, if we kind of like rewind back to when that was invented, Basically, the, the inventors of that kind of observed the, the process of buying stamps. So they said like, oh, well, in order to buy stamps, you have to go to the post office. Usually there's a line at the post office. Um, you're going to have to waste time standing there. You're going to have to waste time getting there. Um, and then they're going to give you the postage and then you got to go back home or you got to stand there and you got to put together your letter. But basically it involved all of these unnecessary steps for a relatively simple process of like, I want to give you money, you give me stamps, I put the stamps on my thing, send it out. And so what they did is they kind of reversed engineered it and they said like, well, uh, how do we simplify this? And it's like, well, let's make it possible to buy stamps online. Very simple. But what they did is they figured out like, well, what is the, the inefficiency in this process? And then kind of work backwards from there to figure out what the product idea was. And in the same way, if you think about something like, uh, my favorite example uh, of, of recent memory is something like Grubhub. So this very common process, right? People like to order food or they like to eat out. Um, used to be a serious chore. Like you would have to, to know about the restaurants in your area. You'd have to know what menu items they offered. 
Uh, you'd have to know, you know, kind of when they were open or when it was available to you. You'd have to know whether or not they delivered, whether or not you could go pick it up. And it was this whole to-do to order food. And so typically you, you, you either had your favorites where you would just say like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to this place um, and I'm, I'm just happy with that. They opened up this entire landscape of like potential restaurants that, that either you didn't know about or those restaurants weren't accessible to you because maybe they, they only offered pickup and you like delivery or something like that. But they, they took this simple problem, relatively simple problem, and packaged it in such a way that it made the process more efficient. So now you can just pull out your phone find all the restaurants in your area, at least the ones that work with Grubhub, which is quite a few. And then you can say like, oh, what menu items do they want? And then you can add those menu items to a cart and then you can buy right from your phone. You don't have to get up and do anything. And depending on your philosophy on, on humans, maybe that's lazy for you. But for a lot of people, well, that's a problem that needs to be solved. It's, it's an inefficiency that needs to be made efficient. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of potential in doing this. And one recently that I, I was really impressed by is actually from a mentee at Clever Beagle. So somebody that I've been working with for quite a while now. Um, and her name is Nicole Forrester. So I've been working with Nicole for quite a while. And we've worked on a few different ideas together. But one that really worked, and this is why I love this, this idea of paying attention to behavioral patterns so much, is she really enjoyed... Uh, planning trips. So she likes to travel quite a bit and would basically come up with these like super detailed plans for uh, what her and her friends or, or her and her boyfriend were going to do on the trip that they were going on. And so the way that she did it before, and this was her own behavioral pattern. So she was observing herself. It was like this, uh, I've, she sent me one copy. It was like this mess of spreadsheets. And it was like, it was really detailed and it was this like crazy system but it was kind of a pain in the butt. It wasn't really easy to say like, oh, I want to check out this place and then I want to check it out then. Like you had to know, okay, what times are this place open? How much does it cost? How close is it to the other things that we want to check out on this trip? And it was just this pain. So she solved it. She said like, oh, well, why don't I build an app that streamlines this entire process? So literally all you have to do as a traveler is say, well, I want to type in the names of a place that I want to go to and then I want to add that to a schedule and I want the, the tool that I'm using to kind of guide me as I make my plans. So instead of just blindly adding things to a list, it's going to tell you things. And this is the app actually does this. Um, I highly recommend going and checking it out. So this is at tripvector.io. And what Tripvector is doing is it's basically saying, okay, when I drag something from a list, so I, I create a list of uh, what she refers to as recommendations. So I'm going to take from this list of recommendations, I'm going to drag this onto a schedule. And then behind the scenes, there's an algorithm that's working to say, oh, well, is this thing open at the time that you just put it there? Or does this match up with the rest of your schedule? Or is this close enough to other places on your schedule that you're going to get to it in time? And totally organically, just from observing this prior inefficiency in planning, a product came to life. And again, this is something that's highly unique. So her process for planning and her expertise for planning trips, again, this wasn't what she did for a living. It was just something she did on the side and for fun, but realized, oh, there's a business here. Oh, there's a product here. So there's, there's something really special about that. It's, it's trying to pay attention to where either yourself or others are having inefficiency. And to, to wrap up, one of the, the other things that you can do, and this is, this is where this gets really, really powerful if you practice at it, which is you can combine these things. You can do 
multiple things all at once. So you can do things like, well, I can look at an existing product and find inefficiencies with that product. Or I can say, oh, well, uh, maybe there's an inefficiency with this process and I can combine it with this other process that actually works really well. Or I can adapt this other process that I've seen used for this totally different thing to this completely different area where you wouldn't expect it. And you can make all of these super unique products and you combine that with your own expertise or things that you understand or have uh, some understanding of and you can build a really unique product. One that's arguably pretty difficult to compete with because when you start to, to piece all this stuff together, basically what you're doing is you're creating this thing that other people would only know about if they were in your head. They wouldn't be able to say like, oh, well, um, this person has some expertise in woodworking and they figured out how to uh, systematize the process for, uh, you know, carving wood or something like that. That's a terrible example. But basically you're, you're creating something that, um, and there's a great term for this. So the, the, I've talked about him on here before. So the investor Warren Buffett talks about this idea of the moat. So when you're developing a product and, or a service, you want to think about how do I build a moat that other people can't cross? And so when you're investing your own skill set into something, a unique skill set that other people don't have, and combining that with solving problems, you're going to create things just inevitably that other people can't come up with. And that means that you're going to build products that are going to last longer and be more successful just by nature because, well, you know, it's, it's something that other people are going to struggle to recreate or compete with. Uh, so I, that's basically it. So the, the big ones here to keep in mind are looking at the weaknesses of existing players. So taking the time to really observe stuff that's already in the market and not stopping yourself when you find stuff that already exists. So don't just say like, oh, it's the problem's already solved. Look closely. So look at people who are already in the market that are solving the problem, but maybe not solving it in the best possible way or in a unique way where you have some sort of advantage or knowledge that they don't have or it's going to be hard for them to get. Uh, another thing that you want to keep in mind is mining for pain and desire. So go out into the world, listen to conversations at the, the store, listen to uh, friends and family when you get together and, and, and kind of what are the things that they're complaining about. So don't necessarily egg them on and be like, hey, what's something that you're not happy about? But just kind of hang out and listen. So be a part of the conversation. But when you hear words like stressful or hate or angry, it's like turn your feelers on and be like, oh, wait a minute, something, something's going on here. There's something that somebody's not happy about. And see if there's something that you understand and you can apply to a product or come up with a product to solve that problem with. Uh, and finally then, it's just paying attention to behavioral patterns. So what are people doing right now that seems really inefficient and they're not doing it in a way that's going to save them time? They're just wasting time, they're wasting energy, and they're doing all the stuff they don't really need to do. And, and really consider yourself too. So look at things that you're doing day to day that is really inefficient. And you gotta be aware, you know, like it's not just gonna magically come to you. So you gotta pay attention and think like, well, what's something that I do all the time? Or what's something that I see somebody else do all of the time that's just kind of clunky and slow and, and not really working that well? And then try and find a product inside of that.
And then ultimately doing a combination of all those things. So stitching them together and coming up with really unique things. So trying to figure out, uh, okay, what happens if I, I piece together this observation with this unique skill that I have and what product comes out of that? Because often what you're going to find is something that nobody can really compete with, or at least it's going to be difficult and not worth their own time to try and compete because they got to figure out how you did that. So that's going to do it for this episode. Hopefully that was helpful. Uh, I know it's, it's difficult to come up with ideas, especially when, you know, we're kind of at the tail end of what was a, a pretty extreme period of innovation in the world. A lot of problems got solved, but I don't want that to discourage you. So I want you to really pay attention to stuff that, that just feels like it's not quite right, or maybe doesn't match the expectations of today. So maybe it solved the problem that was there five years ago, but that product hasn't evolved to meet the needs of today. And there's a bunch of opportunities for this. So get really good at looking and observing and kind of asking yourself the question, like what's not right here? Or what do I think I can bring a unique approach to? So that's gonna do it for this episode, folks. If you haven't already and you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to click the subscribe button down below and also hit the bell if you wanna get a notification as soon as these are released every single Monday morning. So thanks for listening and we will see you for the next episode.